Today, we are going to be talking about Fist Fight, The Great Wall, and A Cure for Wellness. So stay tuned. Welcome to The Real Review. Welcome to The Real Review, sponsored by Parametric and Lazy Ape Studios, where you get some of the latest happenings, real thoughts, and perspectives in the world of film and television. I'm here with Matt Mileki Hey, and who am I today, Matt? Everybody, I am with Joel Wants a Double Decker Couch Cunningham. <laughs> That's a great reference. <laughs> I actually haven't seen that movie in a very long time. I saw the sequel though. Yeah, yeah. I saw the sequel two days ago. So oh that's, yeah, that's why I wanted to say. Well, we should have we should have waited until you saw that, dude. What did you think? I did. I liked it. Yeah. Um, I was a little under the weather, oh, so okay. I think maybe there's some stuff that just went over me. Gotcha. Um, just because like I was kind of, Decker I was foggy, right? <laughs> I was a little bit foggy. For those of you who aren't familiar with what we're talking about, we've got the Lego movie and Batman movie that we're talking about. Batman yes. Lego movie, yeah. So Yes. Also, hey, uh, maybe we can talk about this on a critic corner at some point in time yeah. in the future, but... I love how they're like, yeah, this is MacGuffin Airlines and, uh, at the very beginning. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice that one, actually. Where we have 100 sticks of dynamite, 3,000 oh, smoke bombs, and two yeah. best friends. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah, so well, welcome to all of you folks that are uh, listening in and joining us for the very first time. Uh, <laughs> if this is your first time to the podcast, the Real Review Podcast, then uh, we just want to say hello and then also let you know a little bit about what we do here on the Real Review Podcast. This is basically our, our main show that we do review of films and we kind of do a bit of a fan versus a critic perspective right um, matt tends to represent more of the fan perspective as you can hear i'm emotionally driven yeah. maybe emotionally unstable too i don't know potentially yes. you might want to get that looked at yeah it's okay <laughs> and i tend to be more of the critic perspective meaning that i just don't like stuff he's just negative and mean very negative very mean but <laughs> you know for you guys i will do my best to be a little bit more positive how does that sound matt i'll try and be emotionally stable well, that's okay. great so cool. uh welcome to the podcast yeah and today we're going to be reviewing Reviewing uh, three films, Fist Fight, The Great Wall, and A Cure for Wellness. And so I'm really excited to talk about these. Matt, you had a chance to watch one of these films. I had a chance to watch two of these films. So right. I imagine I'll be doing a bit more of the talking, but I definitely want to get your perspectives on the films. Right, because I have questions. You have questions, I have answers. Yes. I don't have questions, but I'll try and think of a few. Okay. <laughs> cool. So uh, why don't we get right into it then, Matt? And Let's do uh, that. what's our first film we're going to be reviewing? Yeah, first fume, uh, fume. Fume. Yeah, yeah, the first fume. Okay, the first film that we're going to be reviewing <laughs> is Fist Fight. Yes, Fist and, Fight. And you had the wonderful honor to watch this movie. <laughs> I f left the theater felding, feeling, felding, feeling like I had maybe gotten in a fist fight, actually. Right. <laughs> maybe I had been the loser, the loser side of a fist fight. So, uh, Fist Fight is a film that uh, was released in theaters the, 27, uh, the 17th of February, and it basically, we talked about this, is uh, one school teacher gets the other fired, and he's a challenge to an after-school fight. It's directed by Richie Keene. It stars primarily Ice Cube, Charlie Day, and, um, well, I would say Tracy Morgan is a main sort of side character as well as Jillian Bell and Dean Norris from Breaking Bad fame. So mm -hmm. I will say this, that is a very good synopsis of the film. I will, I would say that usually the way that I like to introduce things like this when we're doing reviews is I like to start with the positives and then move on to the negatives. But <laughs> Do not and, have positives. So, well, I'll try that. I'm going to try that. The film we're going to be talking about later, I'd like to, I'm thinking I'm going to flip it up and do the opposite. Okay. But for this film, I will start by trying to talk about the positives. The positives were 
it was short. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So I, I don't know why this film just hit me in all the wrong ways. And I will say this. Charlie Day was effective. He Remember, was he was the one that we were like most looking forward to in that movie. Yeah. I love Charlie Day. I love me some Charlie Day and some It's Always Sunny, even though it's a crazy show to watch and it's got some pretty off-the-wall type humor at times. I think he's hilarious in that. And I think, unfortunately, in this film, it played to the least funny of what Charlie Day is capable of. It felt like the scripting and the dialogue was everything that you would absolutely expect. It's like, okay, well now they're going to say something that's a bit shocking. Okay, well now they're going to say something that just kind of pushes the boundaries of, you know, what's socially normal. Okay, right. now they're going to do some prank or now some stupid thing. It's And it was constantly like that. And so the, the main premise behind the whole movie is that basically Charlie Day is this character that's kind of... He, very standard of what you would expect from Charlie Day. He's kind of like this look down on kind of weak willed guy that everybody kind of picks on and just kind of puts up with it, you know, right. and he's this teacher at the school and they're going through this. It's the end of the year. It's the final day of school and all the kids are doing these pranks um, on the teachers and on each other and mostly just the teachers in the school. Um, and honestly, the, the students I couldn't stand for the most part. <laughs> okay. I'm like, if these are kids that are actually doing the things that they're doing, most of these kids would get arrested um, and probably expelled, you know? Wow. Does, yeah, I mean, just awful, horrible things. I mean, some of the, I mean, they're playing like pornography in the hallways. Um, they're releasing horses in there. They're putting banners and wearing shirts with a profanity. I mean, just crazy stuff that some of these kids are drawing like, you know, penis eye all over things on the, the football <laughs> seems, field. Yeah, Seems so, way more elaborate than yes. what actual students would want to put effort into. Absolutely. It felt like <laughs> they were more, they were... They were overly intelligent with coming up with really stupid ideas. Right. It was like you, you're either stupid and you're coming up with stupid ideas or you're super intelligent and you're coming up with intelligent ideas. Right. I mean, they're literally rigging up pulleys and like wires that you walk across and it shoots paint in your face, you know, and they come up with these like launches and it's like, that's super intricate. Yeah. You know, why don't these kids actually apply themselves into learning <laughs> things? And so stay in school, yeah. kids. I'm getting a bit sidetracked here. Anyway, so Charlie Day plays this character basically that's kind of looked down on. He's attacked by his other, you know, mostly the students, but some of the other teachers kind of look down on him as well. And they're at the end of the school year. And so the principal is played by Dean Norris of Breaking Bad. Basically, he's going through this this scenario where he's trying to figure out who's going to stay and who's going to go, who's going to get fired and who's going to move on to sort of like the coming school year. They had to do budget cuts. Okay. And so there's this imminent idea in Charlie Day's character that he has to keep this job because his wife is pregnant and he needs to make money and make a living and otherwise he's you know, she's going to hate him and it's going to be really horrible. And so that's kind of the setup for everything and that's okay. what ends up basically happening um, with Ice Cube as well. Um, he and Ice Cube have some bad interactions at the beginning and then things kind of get better and better and then this one kid basic this one kid is is doing a prank on Ice Cube and Ice Cube overreacts as he would, and destroys <laughs> the kid's table um, with an axe. And so, which sounds funny, but it wasn't really handled as funny as you'd think. And then Charlie Day and him end up getting into this kind of back and forth where he ends up getting, Charlie Day ends up getting Ice Cube fired. And so that sets up the scenario then uh, where this you. fight would have to take place. But okay. over the course of the film, that kind of goes back and forth. There's this weird moment where it's like, okay, he's not going to fight him, but then he is going to fight him, and then he's not going to fight him, and then he is. And it's, it's, I didn't need that. I didn't need this complex up and down of like, are they going to fight or are they not going to fight? The movie is called Fist Fight. You know yeah. they're going to fight at some point. So it didn't do anything to add any suspense or interest. And everything was kind of just really, it felt like just a setup for a weird or funny or quirky scenario, which is so lowbrow. It's so low, like, Let's get to some actual like funny stuff. The one thing I will say as well is Jillian Bell's character, who I thought she was great in 22 Jump Street. I haven't seen her in much else. 
she played a really pretty awful person in really? the script. Okay. Yeah. The the character that she played was a teacher and she gets along, she's kind of like Charlie D's friend, his only like person, his compadre of sorts at the church or at the the school. Yeah. And she is one, she's a druggie. Um additionally, she has this weird infatuation with some of the younger boys at the school and she talks abruptly and very broadly about her hopes and dreams to okay <laughs> yeah do things with some of the boys and it feels very wrong yeah and even in like the sense of like well this is a comedy and it's r-rated and it's gonna joke right. about things like that it crossed that line of me being like ha to like ha ha like yeah, yeah. Is, is that something we should be joking about i mean is that really right. something that's super funny so that was just awkward it felt like charlie day had this basically he's trying to he's trying to go through this story arc of becoming this independent like i'm sick like i can do what i need to do and be the strong person that i need to be for myself and for my family and i don't have to worry about what other people think or what they say he's trying to get to that story arc and he gets there but that happens about three-fourths of the way through the film and then it like it falls flat and then it like comes back at the very end of the film, which leads up to this big epic fist fight that happens between Ice Cube and him. And I would say that's probably like my favorite part of the whole movie is the fist fight that happens between Charlie Day and really? Ice Cube. Okay. Um, that's actually pretty funny. I thought that there was like some funny humor there. It was very obvious, but it's it's silly, it's funny, it's goofy. Yeah. And it was just funny to think of Ice Cube and Charlie beating the crud out of each other. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty good and effective. But everything about this is completely like you know what's going to happen. You know the joke's going to be here. They set it up. Then they make the joke. It's not that funny. And then they move on to the next sort of situation and scenario. Right. And the the only other thing that I say, and this was like, again, another like slightly offensive thing for me. And I, I, there's a lot of things I'm not, details I'm not talking about just because I we don't like to spoil things too much on the show here. But there's a scene with him and his daughter where he has to do this kind of like father-daughter talent show thing. Okay. And he gets up there with her and she wants to do this other song and she ends up doing this song. Some people are going to not care about this, but this was offensive to me. It's basically this rap song that's got like the most F-bombs and all this stuff. And she's just up there cursing out this little girl. Yeah. And she's like, you know, 11. And it just, it makes me feel really bad when I see stuff like that. Cause right, okay. I work with a lot of kids and you're like, when a kid is talking like that, you recognize that there's probably deeper issues within that kid that need to really get worked out. Right. And so people are probably listening to this review and they're probably thinking like, Joel, you're being way too severe about an R-rated comedy, which is obviously supposed to be, you know, lowbrow and silly and stupid. Right. But I think there can be an R-rated comedy that doesn't immediately desire to go to the lowest common denominator and then somehow like shock you in that. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. of the examples of like shows like um, South Park or Family Guy and obviously those are shows, but those are lowbrow comedies that, had at times made like social commentary but then they kind of fell into this lower brow of just doing shock yeah kind of stuff yep. and this felt like one of those movies that fell into just doing the shock yeah and it didn't have any of the commentary it didn't have any of the purpose it didn't have any of the drive it really was just trying to go like oh my gosh look how ridiculous this is this is it's so like crazy. Uh, lowest common denominator yeah humor yeah okay. so that's kind of my thoughts matt did you have any Questions, thoughts you want no. to share? Um, a little bummed out. I thought uh, I thought Charlie Day would be more of the redeeming aspect of it, um, and yeah. it just looks like it sounds like it didn't have much to work with, yeah. uh, as far as scripting is concerned, and that it had poor execution um, yeah. from uh, the director in this instance, but um, maybe yeah. even the writer. But it's just kind of or a combination of 
everything. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think it, it. Charlie was not. Charlie was okay. I think if I had to like say the best actor of the whole bunch would probably be Tracy Morgan. Okay, he's the one that actually had a couple lines that little like made me laugh a bit and chuckle a bit. <laughs> Ice Cube did have. And again, like what we when we first talked about, it, I said, you know, there's obviously going to be this thing where he gets to fight with Ice Cube, but then it turns out that he's got like a heart of gold. And yeah, sure enough, you know, <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah. you know, sure enough, you so, get to the fight, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, so he's got this good heart deep down. I you can't, know? I can't take Tracy Morgan seriously, yeah, uh, since Thirty Rock, and I yeah. think. Um, I just picture him running <laughs> down a freeway with a lightsaber. It's oh, like, yeah, I yeah. am a Jedi. I am a Jedi. Jedi. Yeah, he plays oh, a great character. Oh, my gosh. It, this, is, this is a lessened version of his 30 Rock character. Okay, I yeah. gotcha. So, so if you got to rate this thing, man, wow. what would you put it at? I would put it at probably a D minus. Oh, yeah. okay. That would be like a low 60s kind of... I think if there had been a little bit more to the script, if there had been a bit more for me to latch onto story-wise, a little more to latch on even character-wise, because it felt like they were really only putting the story arc in there because they had to have him go do something. Right. You know, if they put a bit more in that, and if, if they'd come up with more clever gags or more clever ideas, it, it like I felt like a, a kid that was actually in the film could have written this, like a kid that was in high school gotcha. and come up with every, it's like, here we put, you know, here we put a penis joke and here we yeah. put, you know, uh, this guy blows something up and it yeah. hits him in the face. It's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well, there you good go. Good to know. Yeah. So that's going to be all for uh, our commentary and my review on Fist Fight. I've said plenty. I think I've said more <laughs> than enough for that. So Matt, why don't we move on to our next film? Does that sound good to you? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Um, and uh, we've had a chance to talk about this a little bit, just kind of what we thought in our coming soon segment. But I um, I did get a chance to see The Great Wall. Yeah. And um, I will say this. Mm-hmm. Now, we, now we did talk about it. I'm in now, suspense here. <laughs> I, I will say this because we did talk about it. Obviously, it was directed by the guy who did Hero. Yes. Um, and again, Yamao Zhang. Yes, the film Hero, not the show Heroes. Right. Yes. Correct. <laughs> it's a big difference. Big, big difference. Um, yeah. yeah, not Tim Kring. So, yeah. uh, Matt Damon, William Defoe, um, and a lot of other people. And uh, Pedro TN, Pascal is probably the big Jean, one. Yeah. Um, but here, here's the thing with this, this movie. It... At its best, you can tell that it took a lot of, um, a lot of, I, I would say like ideas in like uh, visual style and even like attack sequences mm-hmm. from Lord of the Rings. Okay. Um, I don't I don't feel like it pulled them off as well, but I would say that there's a lot of that stuff, and that was the best part. Yeah. Those were the best parts of the film. Okay. The first half hour of this movie is actually decent. Um, where you're like, oh, this is cool. So if you're unfamiliar with it, I mean, we've covered it before, but um, European European mercenaries, namely um, Matt Damon and Pedro Pascal, uh, they're searching for black powder and become embroiled in the defense of the Great Wall of China against a horde of monstrous creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, is this literally black powder? It's not like some yeah, sort of... Okay. So yeah, so they're, they're looking for black powder because it's mythical. And the guy's like, you can kill 12 people at once with this black powder. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and, and you see them kind of... They, they kind of travel with a, a band of... Um, mer- mercenaries, I <laughs> yeah. guess. Um, so they're traveling. Like Robin Hood type thing? Right. And then what happens is... Um, 
the like half their crew gets like killed by like these monsters and they don't know what it is okay. and so they they end up they end up being chased by other another band of mercenaries or something and mm-hmm. like end up getting to the great wall and end up getting you know tied in, into what they have going on and the first thing you see is they're tied up they're on the on the roof and everybody's like battle cry you know like oh what's happening they're like what's going on and then all you all of a sudden you see all these like lizard like monsters <laughs> like running at the wall and you see all these crazy like devices that um that they've kind of come up with to use on the great wall to okay. kill all of these things right so completely historical i'm sure right? yeah so this is not true <laughs> um I think I, I read about that in my history right. book. So I think, they they kind of so these these lizards basically just get destroyed at first until they start like World War Zing and like kind of just like climbing up on top of each other. <laughs> yeah. So the bodies pile up right. and they stack. They up. start yeah. like climbing up that way. Yeah. Um, so but, they they can invent these giant machines to pull them up, <laughs> but they don't realize that that might be an issue. Right. Right. Yeah. So okay. It's okay so all the some of the fight sequences especially the first two I would say are really cool and what we learned is that Matt Damon's character is awesome with a bow and arrow yeah and which they show a lot in the preview right in and, the, the trailers and they actually he, it's really cool his like scene his first like action scene on the yeah. wall is actually pretty sweet and probably mm-hmm. one of the highlights of the film is he like Legolasing style yeah. like sliding that's down what I'm the saying. thing and, that's yeah. one of the okay. that's one of the, the Lord of the Rings references I felt like they kind of he's kind of like Legolas he's like hmm. he's flawless with a bow and arrow gotcha um, and uh, his buddy which and this <laughs> it's is funny because they gave him long hair too so <laughs> right okay so I would say the first half hour is actually pretty solid um, it's not amazing, but it was, it was decent and engrossing enough to kind of keep me engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's really it. Um, as far as some of the positives, just being kind of having the Lord of the Rings. So what happens is it starts to fall apart. One, you learn where these monsters come from. <laughs> Mordor, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right out of the pit, out of the pit. Yeah. So no, what happens is. This is the first Godzilla movie. In the Godzilla. <laughs> they have, so what yeah. they do is they, they do this thing where. They show you the paintings of mm-hmm. like the history of it, and then it, as the lady is like narrating, it does a uh, like where the paintings come to life scene, where it's like animated in that way. Oh, okay. And as she's reading it, you know, and it's right, it's not so terrible. Just... But what happened was uh, thousands of years ago, a meteor fell from the sky, hit mm-hmm. the mountain, um, where all of these creatures come and out every sixty years to attack, hmm. or something like that. To okay. Re- so like pitch black sort of a thing? Kind of. Okay. Right. I like pitch black better. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> it's a good movie. So, and I do want to say this as well. I said Godzilla. I recognize that China and Japan are not the right. same. <laughs> so people are like, <laughs> Godzilla's not China. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, no worries. But okay, uh, nitpick, Matt Damon's accent bothered the heck out of me. He sounded like he was from Texas. Really? Because he's supposed yeah. to be English, right? European. European, yeah, okay. it's it didn't sound European. Like, so his his Where his Europe, partner yeah. Pedro did. Um, um, they don't clarify. Okay, but I could see maybe a Spaniard or something. So, I so don't know. thirty minutes they force this relationship thing between Matt Damon and this and this girl, the yeah. main girl at the at the Great Wall. And I apologize, I cannot pronounce your name. It's Tian Jing, right? Right, right. Commander, that's probably Lin the May. best. That's probably the best way to go. <laughs> I'll just have you pronounce everything. There so, um. They force this relationship, like he's interested in her, but for no reason, mm. and and she's not giving him really the time of day. <laughs> it's like this really weird thing, <laughs> which means they have to get together to at some the point, point where yeah. he's like abandoning 
everything that he's done with his partner to do this. I feel like William Defoe is wasted in this movie. Oh, I don't man. know why he's in even in it. Yeah. Um, he's just kind of there to be like a nervous Nelly kind of guy where he's like, <laughs> you, I don't know about this. We need to do this. If we're going to go. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just wasted characters. They're kind of through line. They don't go, they don't, I guess there, there's a lack of arc yeah. as far as their characters. I feel like some of the best movies are the characters that start from one place um, uh, in a kind of in a maturity sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they grow and you see them grow over time. And like at the end of their arc, you're like, wow, they're almost like a different person than when they started yeah. out, you know? And mm-hmm. those, those are some really cool things. So two questions. Yes. If I can. Um, do it. First one is special effects wise. What did you feel they did? Because we talked about this. We talked about how they looked a little shoddy with some of the special effects. Right. Um, it it was okay. okay. Uh, and I I don't, I don't want to say it was okay all the time because there were some really there were some times where it was glaring like oh this is bad CG. Yeah. Namely toward the end okay. um, where it was mostly CG. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then at the at the beginning the very first sequence with. Uh, Matt Damon mm-hmm. um, showing his sweet bow skills. That was pretty cool. That actually showed up pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, especially when it was just like one-on-one with him in this thing. Um, that was pretty sweet. What was what was the other question? My second question is how did it end? Okay. So I like the ending kind of. Um, it was, it was, <laughs> okay. We might get into spoiler territory. If you wanted to see The Great Wall a little <laughs> bit. It's, I think we can. I think we can chance it. There's enough people they, out there. They yeah. Independence Day it. Um, oh, so, wow. which is essentially take out the mother alien monster hmm. to disable all the other ones. Some guy blows up the butt of a <laughs> right. Oh, essentially, yeah, yeah. Shoots shoots a grenade type deal into like big twist ending. This is actually set in modern day and right. some F-15s <laughs> right. flying. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Hey guys, I'm back. <laughs> yeah. um, that would be a good twist. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that probably would have been the best <laughs> ending ever. Yeah. But um, no. So there's uh, all these monsters are controlled by a queen. Mm. And it like sends out vibrations. And one of the things that they use to, uh, to negate the, the communication between the queen and this thing is they use the power of a magnet and they test it. They should, you show this in the movie. They use a magnet hmm. to like, it like, I don't know, messes with the polarity so they can't get the signals from the queen. Yeah. And so they just become useless and they just it sit sounds there. Sounds exactly like independence. Day. Right. Yeah. So take out the queen and that's, that's really it. I wow. mean, I mean, it was okay. Mm. Um, it started off better and then kind of fell apart. The love story thing, the weird, like William Defoe's character, Pedro Pascal, just kind of where they went. Like mm. what? Um, the ending was very much had that like hero. Um, I know it's a different kind of crew altogether, but the crouching tiger, hidden dragons, some yeah. of the like, like maybe some of the people are moving in a way that's defying physics a little bit more than I'd, I'd like to see <laughs> a right now. wire work type stuff. Yeah. So yeah. not a lot, but some of it, I was like, that's weird. Yeah. You know, but, um, it's starting to sound, I mean, I haven't seen it yet and I yeah. might see it. We'll see, but it sounds a little bit tonally unfocused on the basis of, yeah. it doesn't really seem like there's one thread. Like you said that it's this type of movie. It's this type of movie. It's, it's got weird story arc structure for characters. It, it doesn't really know what world it's set in, it yeah. sounds like, because obviously we don't have giant lizards that have tried to invade or attack us on yeah. the earth. And so it's 
not real, mm-hmm. but then it sounds like they tried to ground it in reality at times by making it like Europeans and the Great Wall. Right. But then they now you're saying that they're including they kind of they, they break a, like it a, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, they're including like a crouching tiger, hidden dragon, which was very like almost. It was almost like a story, you know. Yeah. That was what was so cool about Crouching Tiger is they set up very quickly. Like these are the rules that that guide us. The so. ending was like a hot air balloon attack. <laughs> oh my crazy. goodness! That's that's wow. what I got from that. Anyway, it's kind of funny. Wow, around the world in forty days. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's crazy, Matt. So on a scale of you know, I mean, A to F, what would you what would can, you rate this one? Can I give it an okay minus? Yeah. So <laughs> no, I would say um, ah. I got to give it a D plus. Okay. I give it a D plus. I can't necessarily recommend it. Uh, but if you want to see Matt Damon talk like a Texan, um, <laughs> might this, be worth it. this might be your movie. Yeah. If this is what you've been waiting for, to hear Matt Damon talk like a Texan with really long hair, I highly recommend this movie then. Very much might yeah. be worth <laughs> it. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's really all I got for that. Um, but... Let's just move on to the next segment. Let's sure. see. Let's see what. Uh, let's see what else we got. Joel, what is the fil- the other film that you got to see this? Yeah. So this will be the okay. last film we'll be talking about today, and this was one that I just got back from seeing a few hours ago. Nice. So very fresh in the mind. Sweet. Which I will disclaimer right now. I usually like to give a bit of a day to two days between reviewing a film and watching it. It allows me some time to kind of process my thoughts, as well as potentially read up on different elements of the story and the production and the director and everything. So that way I know, okay, I'm not just basing this purely off emotion. So I'm going to do my best here and shoot off the cuff. Do it. See how it goes. Um, The film we're talking about is A Cure for Wellness. All right. And it is the plot synopsis of this is an ambitious young young executive is sent to retrieve his company's CEO from an idyllic but mysterious wellness center. That's quotation mark wellness center mm-hmm. at a remote location in the Swiss Alps, but soon suspects that the spa's treatments are not what they seem. It is directed by Gore Verbinski and it stars Dane DeHaan, Jason Isaacs, and Mia Goth. And this film, so this is the film that I mentioned when we started talking earlier in the beginning of the podcast that I want to kind of do a little bit backwards. Right. So this film has been getting a lot of really bad publicity. Right. It's got a uh, 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, 39%. I think Metacritic had it by like around a 40 or so. Yeah. It's in IMDb here. It's got it at a 6.7 out of 10, which is pretty low for IMDb. I, so I actually surprisingly liked the film. Cool. I liked it a lot more than for whatever reason the critics are, attacking it and saying things for and I want to start off with the bad because I think this is the reason why a lot of the critics are saying or at least justifying Mm -hmm. what it is about the film that they really didn't like and I can completely validate this I think this is absolutely fact which is and I'm not gonna I really don't want to spoil anything with this film because it's it's got a pretty complex yeah please don't I I I want to see it too (laughs) yeah I, I wouldn't say necessarily complex it you pretty much get what's going on but it's got a very suspenseful story structure and you need to not know what's going on in order to keep that suspense there. Yeah. But the ending of the film is falling flat for a lot of people. And okay. I would agree as well. This okay. film had a pretty, it felt almost chalked on ending. It felt very tonally almost different than the rest of the film. Okay. And that's after about maybe the final like 20 to 15 minute mark. Gotcha. So after about that, you'll, you'll experience it and you'll see it for yourself. It's just kind of like, okay, well, this changed. This doesn't feel... Right. Yeah. And I don't know if I want to spoil it too much, but it switches from what I consider 
suspense horror kind of psychological thriller to more action it's okay. just kind of a straight up like we're just going to deal with action elements now and okay but the one thing so get into the good stuff the film itself is beautiful it is one of the most beautifully shot films i've seen except for maybe a, like arrival um or a monster calls okay you know recently this is just it's a gorgeous film and a lot of the shots you're looking at and they serve multiple purposes, which is really cool about the cinematography. And they, it's, it's basically, the cinematography is done by a guy named, uh, Bohan, I might butcher his name here, but <laughs> Bohan Bazelli. And prior to this, he really didn't do anything that made me think that he could pull this off. He did The Ring, which had okay cinematography. He did Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which did okay but serviceable cinematography. He also did Lone Ranger. He's done films that are just like okay cinematography, but this took it to like a whole new level. And it's sad to me because I feel like if the critics were maybe treating this a little more fairly, he would stand to win some awards for this wow. because it, it it definitely deserves it. There's shots that I was like I was talking about that you can tell are purposeful in nature yeah. and they leave you with sort of a disjointed, dis, like uncomfortable feeling in the way that they're framed and the way that they're put together. I felt that way in the trailers. Yeah, even in the trailers and you can see that. And yeah. the thing that the trailers didn't do very well and I, I feel very, very much the case with this is that it didn't really portray what kind of film it was trying to be in some of the trailers and some of the previews. Right. It kind of felt like maybe it was more of an action with some horror elements. This was very much a psychological thriller. It very much is you're going into this world not knowing what's happening, why it's happening, who's doing what, for what reason. Still have that and Shutter Island vibes? It did have a bit of a Shutter Island vibes, but the thing that I liked about this film more is that it it didn't... It felt like with Shutter Island, it kind of like tiptoed into the the psychological elements of things. Right. Things would go kind of bad and they would kind of feel bad and that's all to do maybe with the plot. Sure. But this film goes there. Like, okay. One of the things that is very clear about this film is that they do not shy away from some of like the whoa moments. Like yeah, there's yeah, yeah. visually horrific things that happen to a number of the characters right. at a number of times and it's like really happening and right. they don't shy away from showing it. You're just like, oh, just yeah, wow. Like, yeah. Kind of cringeworthy moments. And But they're shot so well that it's like you want to see this. And yeah. the other thing I would say about this is uh, Dane DeHaan, who's the main lead in this, I think he did a great job with it. I think- there, I mean, he went far enough with it where you didn't feel like he was overly selling it, like he wasn't overly acting into this role, but he was very believable. And you really understood at the beginning of the film where he's coming from because he has a bit of a history and they kind of reveal his history through some flashbacks and stuff that comes out of the course of the film. And you understand where he's coming from and why he would be that way. And then you see his natural story arc and how he gets to a place and, but then again, like I said, the ending of the film kind of feels a little bit like, okay, why? Okay, I get that, but still, what? So there's there's some stuff at the end, and that definitely kind okay. of left it from being like a top-tier film for me. Right. But the entire film, super suspenseful, super, I mean, it builds, but it gets there. It's really suspenseful. There's really intense moments. There's moments where I'm kind of like on the edge of my seat, like, crud, what's going to happen here? Right. Uh, the sound design is really awesome. Um, the stuff that I was saying with Shutter Island as well is that, in that film, the, the the score was like bombastic. Okay, it just like blew me out of the water as far in like a bad way. Like right, I, right. Took I you almost, out of the movie. Yeah, it took me out of the movie. Whereas this film, everything sound design wise fits perfectly. It's very ominous, very eerie at times. The way that they show you things has a natural progression. There's like a scene, and I don't want to spoil too much again, but there's like a scene that happens about halfway through in a when he like in in the town. Mm -hmm. There's people involved with this, and it's like the whole setup of what's happening with this 
Yeah, I don't. I, just, I okay. wish I could tell yeah, you that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> but there, there's people involved, and visually, it's just like, whoa, something happens, and you see it, and you're just like, okay. And the cool thing about the film is that it it always leaves you guessing. You're always wondering what's happening here. Why is this happening? As a good suspense thriller should. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a great suspense. So the acting is good. It's not amazing, but it's good. It's serviceable. Right. Nobody feels, nobody falls flat. Nobody feels like, you know, they're phoning it in. Um, the script itself felt like it was well structured. It was well planned. The ending, yeah. Did leave it because this is the big thing is, you know, the term, um, the the name basically of the film is a cure for wellness. And it does kind of at one point or other, it kind of gets gets away from that idea of the film being about a cure for wellness mm-hmm. and kind of goes into the suspense and the, the story that's kind of behind the story. And it dwells into that so far that you kind of lose the main theme okay. and the main thing that basically has set up Dane DeHaan to go through this whole journey. Right. But it does revisit at the end. It just feels a little bit forced because it's kind of like, oh yeah, that was happening. Everything is so crazy and so just, what the heck is going on? (laughs) Then when they finally come back to it, you're you're like, oh yeah, that that that's true. So my question is, where do you think the disparity is? Because I know that for me, um, personally, an an ending doesn't necessarily mean it'll make or break the movie yeah. for me. Obviously, yeah. if it's a great ending to a movie that I thought was okay, then that could elevate the movie. Yeah. I actually felt that way about Split. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one was, uh, I, I know for a lot of people, it could be like a really, really good movie. Yeah. And then the, the ending like ruins the whole thing. Where I come from the mindset of, are you, I don't know, if did you enjoy the movie? It's, for the most yeah. part to you know to the end and yeah. i mean that's a very valid question and a valid point to bring up because i think that's kind of the issue that i'm having mm-hmm. i i again i just saw the movie i've only just started looking into some of the reviews i think gore verbinski just really did a great job with this it cool. is a little long as yeah. well that's maybe the other thing i should have mentioned it does feel like they could have cut out fairly some time out of this to make it much more succinct right right right, right. but it doesn't i never got bored i never was sitting in my chair like man when is this going to move on to the next scene because every scene is still suspenseful but what you said is very valid and i think that is that that is why i do market lower than is because of the ending okay but it doesn't ruin the last two hours yeah because it's a two and a half hour long movie right it doesn't ruin the last two ten hours two minutes and ten or two hours and ten minutes or so of the film right it doesn't do anything to say that that stuff was bad. It just kind of is like, okay, well, it feels like you more missed maybe an opportunity to do that. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it was. It almost felt like he, Gore Verbinski shot the entire film except for the ending. And then they brought in another, it really reeked of studio. It okay. really honestly okay. did. It really felt like the studio saw the original ending and went, ah, that's not what we like to do with our endings can you reshoot that and do something a little bit different? Maybe something that feels a little bit different. And they ended up doing that and it got, I don't know, but it just felt that way, but it doesn't ruin the whole film. It doesn't warrant to me giving this a 60% rating. Like a lot of the critics are. And the thing that we talked about before is that, and this is what ticks me off so much. We're all crying out for films that are new, that are novel, that do different things, that have a different feel to them and aren't just like, you know, Superman blah or right. this superhero movie X, you know, or this other film that was once a film here and we're moving in. It, it's, it does have a semblance and an idea of other films, you know, that are part of it, but it, it feels like it's, it, it feels kind of like a mixture of like the shining mm-hmm. mixed with like, um, Shutter Island. 
Sure. So it's kind of like those two films together, but it doesn't feel like it's trying to be either of those. It feels like it's trying to be its own film. It's got its own merits that it stands on. So I wish people would maybe critic wise would look at this a little bit differently. I'm going to look into it more and try and figure out maybe what exactly is going on. That's really interesting that it's like that. Yeah. Um, Okay. So if you had to rate this thing. Yeah, I think if I had to rate this, I would give it a B plus, a high B plus. That's I would give awesome. it like an 89, That's 80, awesome. 89. So, and I will, again, for all the people that are thinking about going out and watch it, there's a reason why it's rated R. It's got some very gory moments, some very shocking moments. It's yeah, got yeah, some yeah. fair amount of nudity. It's not one of those films you're going to go into as well and just leave going like, yeah, that was a great thing. <laughs> it's going to leave you thinking. It's going to leave you going, It's not wow. a feel-good movie. Yeah, it's not a feel-good family film. <laughs> okay. A feel-good family film for yeah. February. So, so go see Lego Batman instead if you have kids with you. It's <laughs> a great option. Yeah. So uh, that's all, Matt. Is there anything you had, any thoughts you wanted to share for Cure? No. No. No, awesome. I'm, I, 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 want, I want to check it out and see what it's about. So. All right. Well, hopefully you get a chance to. So that's going to be all for us on the uh, Real Review Podcast for today. Uh, we'll be coming out with our Tube Talk as well as our Coming Soon in the next couple of days. And you can check that out. Um, we're going to be releasing, well, not necessarily the next couple of days, but we're going to be releasing those segments at different times. So right, for everybody right. that's used to our standard format, yeah. we've changed it. <laughs> <laughs> but we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear any thoughts you might have had about these films. Maybe you felt like A Cure for Wellness is getting lambasted for wrong reasons, or maybe felt like it really did stink. So we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at realreviewmedia at gmail.com, or you can check us out on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash realreviewmedia. And as always, real spelled R-E-E-L. And lastly, but not least, we have a website. Definitely check that out and get signed up for our, news, our newsletter, which is realreviewmedia.com. So that is all, Matt. Any other things <laughs> for us? What? You said lastly, but not least. Last, le- last, least-y? last but not least. I thought you said last but not least. <laughs> I'm going on very little sleep here, Matt. I love that. Yeah. Hopefully nobody <laughs> no, judges me too harshly. That's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> cool. Well, then, uh, it's been real. It's been real. <laughs>